We need you, Lord. You are the giver of all good things. You are the sustainer of life, the creator of everything. And we just can't go through this life on our own, God. We are fallen, broken people, and we recognize that you're the only one that can mend us. You're the only one that can heal us by the blood of Jesus. So we worship you this morning, God. May our worship be pleasing to you. And I pray that you would open our hearts to hear from your word today, Lord. We ask all these things in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. So we'll be back on Matthew chapter 5 today. We've kind of taken a little two-week hiatus on some other things. Verse 1 says, Seeing the crowds, he went up on the mountain, and when he sat down, his disciples came to him. And he opened his mouth and taught them, saying. So we see that Jesus responded to the need of the crowds by what he had to say. The Beatitudes is chapter 5, 6, and 7, and it's a sermon, and uh, it most likely uh, was taught over and over and over. We need to be reminded. We need repetitive. We just can't get it. Once a week is not enough. Uh, this Saturday night, men, all the men here, all the men listening, all the men you know, we're having a refuel, a men's refuel night. This is this Saturday at 530. And we need you to sign up online so we can kind of get an idea how many prepare for. But nevertheless, we more importantly, we want you to be there. So this Saturday at 530 here in the church, uh, make a plan to that. So it's a way to refuel. It's a way to discover what the Lord wants for us. It's a way to draw closer to him and each other. And so when we read these words, keep a couple things in mind. When, when, you, when you have an idea of what the Lord said and what he wants, then it allows you to think like this. If, if these are the virtues, if these are the principles, is this, if, is, if this is the way the Lord wants us to be, then we would have to expect that the Lord is going to make use of all his instruments to bring that about. Okay? Now, we have the Bible, the Word of God. So we read it. That's one way God prepares us. We have the Holy Spirit. Jesus said that it's going to be better for us when he leaves. He told the disciples when he leaves, it's going to be better when he ascended because he would send a helper, and we know that's the Holy Spirit. He has given us the church, and he has given people gifts to serve in the church, and so that's one of instruments. And so the Lord speaks to us through the Bible, through the Holy Spirit. He speaks to us through prayer, and he, he speaks to us through our circumstances, and he uses all that to get us where he wants us to be so that we can fulfill his purpose. And so as you look through here, it makes sense, doesn't it, that this is the way he wants us to be. This is what he wants us to experience. This is what he wants us to become. So we can kind of take a look, take a little inventory, and, and, and make note of all the things that the Spirit directs us to know, to experience, so that we can become like this. So what does he want us to be? What is he, what is he wanting his disciples to do or to become so that they can make a difference in the crowds? He wants us to be poor in spirit. That means that we recognize that our sin separates from God. He wants us to mourn over the fact that we have sinned. And so we're blessed for those who mourn. He wants us to be meek. And so you recognize when the Holy Spirit is helping you to see your power 
and yet you place it under his control. That power may be influence, that power may be money, that power may be experience, that power may be in form of history, but however it is, you place it in his hands. Blessed are the meek, strengthen and control. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. So when you have thoughts like, I want to know more, I want to learn more, I want to grow, I, I want to read the Bible more, I, I want to have that kind of experience. When you have a desire for you to hunger and thirst for righteousness, and remember there's three different categories of righteousness. There is the moral righteousness, there is the vertical, the, the, the religious righteousness, being right with God, that all those things that he works out, he that he brings about, he's wanting us to experience those things, to want more righteousness, to want to live right, to want to think right, to want to be right, to want to move forward. Not perfection, but holy direction is what he, he longs for us to move forward in. So where, where's he at work when it comes to, comes to your cravings, to your desires? What do you want the most? And, and you probably, when you think about what you want the most, what moves you, what you're most passionate about, what you get most thrilled about, what you, what you, where, where do you put all your chips? You know, what, what moves you? And you, only you know really and truly what moves you that when you begin to discover that you are craving the things of God more than you did before, that's the work of the Holy Spirit. And that's his preparation. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. And so he wants us to be pure in heart. He wants us to have a desire to experience God, to see God, to feel God, to be aware of his presence. And then for today's verse, blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Who are those people making peace over there? They're God's children. Who are those people trying to resolve or reconcile that conflict? They're Jesus people. That's what Jesus people do. Who's showing up to make a difference in that controversy? Who's trying to, who's trying to bring peace to that situation? It's the Jesus people. That's who's doing it. That's what Jesus wants. He wants whenever there's an effort to make peace, he wants it to be the Jesus people doing it. He wants them to be active, making peace. He said, blessed are the peacemakers. The word blessed means that there's an inner peace. There's an inner joy. There's an inner contentment that is beyond circumstances. And so the spirit wants to work in us, to strengthen us, to grow us, to build us, to toughen us up, so that regardless of what's happening in our lives, we can have an inner peace. That's what he wants from us. So blessed are the peacemakers. From the scriptures, we see that Jesus wants his people to be, to be those vessels, those instruments of peacemaking in three areas. We know that what's important to Jesus is that we have peace with God, that we have peace with others, and that we have peace with ourselves. So those three areas, Jesus wants his people to be at peace with. Peace with God, peace with others, and peace with self. Now, Jesus is our example of what it means to be a peacemaker, and it's important that we look at him to see what it means to be a peacemaker. 
Peace with God was always his primary mission. It's to be our primary mission. It's to be what we're all about. We desire that people would be at peace with God. Peace with others is all over his teaching. We know it in the great commandment. What's the great commandment? Love God with all your heart, soul, strength, and mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. So he wants us to be at peace with our neighbors. And so peace is all over his, his teaching, especially in the idea of forgiving others and having an urgency to work out conflicts. We need to have an urgency to work out conflicts. We need to have a mindset that we just can't stand conflicts. We don't want a conflict to be around because conflicts take away peace. We want to go and see those conflicts be reconciled and, and, and worked out. And we'll talk about that in just a moment. Did Jesus, let me ask you some questions. Did Jesus compromise right and wrong for peace? No, you're right. Did Jesus lay down when mission was not in play? No, he didn't. He laid down his life for the, for, our, for the cross, but he didn't lay down convictions. He didn't lay down his principles. He didn't lay down any challenges when the, when the mission was not in play. Did Jesus allow people to disgrace the Father's honor? No, he didn't, did he? He challenged that. Was Jesus a pacifist? No. He was not a pacifist. Was Jesus wishy-washy in conflict? He was not. Was Jesus a pushover? Did Jesus avoid conflict and confrontation? No. When it came to the religious people, he went after it. He went after them because he saw them as harming the beautiful plan of God. So if Jesus is our example, then we get an idea of what it means to be a peacemaker. And being a peacemaker is not a pacifist. It's not laying down everything. It's not wishy-washy. It's not being a pushover. It's not compromise. You can be a peacemaker and not compromise. Our world knows nothing about that today. Matter of fact, our world sees us as judgmental, critical, cynical people because we disagree with them. And we have to understand that it is okay to disagree with people because without disagreeing with people, people can't find peace. And, and the only way they find peace is through truth. And truth is an absolute. Now today they say, no, truth is relative. And at the very, very notion of that means that there is going to be conflict as we seek to be peacemakers. And so I really believe that the body of Christ is really having to really gear up for these challenges that we are facing in society. Perhaps not greater challenges, but challenges that are changing shape and sizes today. If you disagree with someone, you're judging them. Today, if you disagree with someone, you hate them. Today, if you are not on board with someone's lifestyle, then they are going to cancel you, right? That's going on. Never thought about being canceled. What does it mean to be canceled? Just, you know, what, is, what does that mean? How does that look? I never thought about being canceled. And the more I've learned about being canceled, I really want to be canceled. <laughs> I think that, that I, can, I can go on with the Lord. When I've finally been canceled, please, someone cancel me. Uh, that's my personal thought about it. 
but we have this idea of making peace and and I think that in our in our culture today if we are going to be peacemakers like Jesus wants us to man it is going to be hard it is going to be difficult it is going to be painful but boy is it going to be fun why not go for it why not just set your sails back and go, regardless of how people are going to res respond to the truth, why not just go for it? And, and some are going to find peace with God. So, did Jesus give his all so we could experience peace? What's the answer to that? He did, didn't he? He gave his all so that we could have peace. Because he did that for us, shouldn't we give our all so other people can experience peace? Yeah. It'll change the way we look at people. It'll change the way we look at foolishness. It'll change the way we look at nonsense. It'll, it'll, it'll change the way that we look at knuckleheads. Now, let's get honest. All of y'all got a knucklehead in your life, right? Yeah, hopefully we all got several knuckleheads in our life. Everyone needs knuckleheads in their lives. You know why? Because that's Jesus-like. And we need to do that. All right, so three ways. Three ways. Peace with God, peace with, peace with others, and peace with self. Let's talk about that. Peace with God. If we're going to be a peacemaker, we are going to be actively helping other people discover peace with God. Romans 5.1 Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. That's Romans 5.1. You ought to memorize Romans 5.1. It ought to be your mantra. It ought to be what drives you, what, what caused you to get up in the morning. Since we have been justified by faith. Justified means that for God's perspective, we are right with him. We are so right with him, it's as if we've never been wrong with him. I love that. In God's eyes, how he views me, Libra, you are right with me, and it says you've never been wrong with me. Now everybody knows he's been wrong with me, but this is how I view you. This is how I acknowledge you. I proclaim that you are right with me as if you've never been wrong with me. And so how did I get that? How did I get that position of justified? Well, it says we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. How do we have peace with God? It says it here through our Lord Jesus Christ. People aren't going to find peace with God through being moral. People aren't going to find peace with God by being religious. People aren't going to find peace with God by going to church. Going to church is a result of having peace with God. That's the way it's designed to work. We experience peace with God by having faith and trust in Christ. We understand it to be born again, to be saved, to be converted. When people come to the place that they believe in Jesus, the opportunity to be at peace with God happens right there. Peacemakers help people be at peace with God by sharing the truth of the good news with them. So in this hyper-political world that we're in today, people are talking about equality and equity. People are talking about skin color and racism and wokeness and all those kind of things. Just kind of meddle through all that. 
Just, just kind of endure that with your friends and family and coworkers and acquaintances and neighbors, whoever it is that the Lord has placed in your life to, to make a difference, to be a blessing. Just, just kind of let that fry. Just let, just let it kind of flow around you and go to the heart of the matter. You know what everybody who is on the woke bandwagon want? You know what everybody that's been on the, the critical race theory, you know what they want? You know what everybody wants, including us? We want peace. Now, they may not see it, and they may be going down the wrong road, and I might not quite understand all that, but I know at the heart of man is this great desire and great need that we would be at peace. Everybody wants to put their head on the pillow at night and be at rest. Everybody wants to look back at the day without any regrets. Everybody wants to know that all is good between them and the Lord. Are you good? Are you good? Are you justified? Are you good? To be justified means we're good. Don't you ever say that? We have words with someone. We have a conflict. We have an issue. And what do we say? We good? We good, y'all? Y'all, we, we good on that? Uh, we understand. We on the same page. We good? Right? We say we're good. Well, are we justified? Are we on the right page? Are we good? So that's what we long for. So suffer with people. Endure people for the opportunity to help them understand how they can be at peace with God. It's a, you know, if Jesus wants us to be peacemakers, that's what we're going to be dealing with today. Morality. Ch different opinions about what's right and wrong. Isaiah says there's coming a day when right is wrong and wrong is right. We are living in that day. We're here. We're there. We're experiencing it. All kinds of wacko convictions. All kinds of opinions about what truth is. And, and what everybody desperately needs and what everybody desperately wants, I believe, is peace with God. And the only way to have peace with God is through faith in Jesus Christ. What a battle we're going to face today. Let's go for it. That's what I think. Peace with God. Second one, peace with others. Now, there's a great verse that helps us, helps me in this idea. Of if, if I'm going to do what Jesus wants me to do, and that's what I want, if I'm going to be like Christ, then, then I've got to be a peacemaker. Oh, man. What, 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 what's going to be a, 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 what's going to be an encouragement for me? What's going to be a soother? What's going to be a comfort to me? Romans 12, 18. If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. I'm thankful for that verse of scripture. That means I'm Abraham's servant. It means I'm off the hook. Remember Abraham's servant in Genesis 24? He goes to look for the, the wife for Isaac. Abraham's servant goes with no strings attached. He goes without any pressure. He's not responsible. He just goes to see who the Lord's going to give for Isaac's wife. And it happens. He just easy going. He travels all the way from beautiful country to a rough country, all across that desert, all across that sand. And, and there's no mention of it. It's no, they don't talk about how hard the journey was. They don't talk about how difficult it was. He didn't, Abraham's servant didn't go to bed at night worried about how this was all going to work out 
because he was off the hook. This verse of scripture says, when it comes to being at peace with other people, if you've done all you can do to be at peace with them, you are off the hook. Thank goodness for that because there's people in this town that when they see me, they turn around and walk the other way. There's one fella that every time he sees me that his vein starts popping out on his neck. He loathes me. I think he hates me. I, I just think that, that I've ruffled his feathers and, and he just, he'll just see me and he'll just put his head down and just walk right by. But boy, I agitate him. I've asked why. I've talked to anything we need to talk about. What is, and, and I've gone through the process. Man, let's be friends, you know. We're not going to be buddies because you don't like me, I don't like you, and I don't want to be around you very much because your neck starts bulging. But let's, let's be at peace with each other, right? So this is Abraham's servant's verse, Romans 12, 18. If possible, be at peace with everyone. If possible means that it's not going to be possible with everybody. But our assignment, our responsibility is, if possible, don't you be the one holding up the peace. That's not what Jesus wants from you. If possible. If, if they're not willing to have the hard conversation with you, you need to initiate it. You need to be one that goes over. You need to be one that calls and says, obviously we've got a conflict. Let's sit down. Let's just sit down and discuss this. If possible if it's not possible for you to be peace abraham's servant just go on anyway enjoy your life don't let them get to you jesus also said in matthew 5 he says make peace quickly we all know that paul's uh word to us the ephesians don't let your anger go down on the don't don't go to bed angry is a really important scripture Make peace quickly. So here's what he says. If you are offering your gift at the altar and they remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there before the altar and go first be reconciled. First be reconciled to your brother, then come back and offer your gift. So leave church. Leave church and go get right. Leave church and go be reconciled to your brother. And after you get reconciled, come on back to church and give your offering. That's what Jesus said. If he wants you to leave the altar and to go be reconciled and then come back, obviously he's saying to us how important it is that we've been reconciled. And so he's saying, if he wants us to leave church, I believe he's saying, Make up quickly. Get it resolved. If you've got a conflict between you and a family member or someone that's been going on for a real long time, today's the day to settle it. Today's the day that at least you find a common understanding. It may be that you're mad at each other, but you're going to be reconciled. You know what reconciled means? It says go and first be reconciled. Reconciliation means that the people mean more to you than the issue of the conflict. That's a lot better word than resolution. Resolution has the understanding we, we've got to come to an agreement. There are some things that we can't come to an agreement over. One or both parties are not going to find an agreement about it. But we can be reconciled. I don't agree with you, but I love you more than the issue. 
That's reconciliation. Thank goodness 2 Corinthians 5 tells us that we are right with God through reconciliation. He chose us over our sin. He chose us over the conflict. He chose us over the issues. And we are reconciled to him. Go and be reconciled. Husbands and wives. Man, you're going through a conflict, going through a struggle. It's been up and down and, and you're having a hard time finding a common ground. You got to be reconciled. You may not be able to resolve the issue. You may not be able to resolve the fact, uh, ladies, that your husband's a knucklehead, right? You may not be able to get it. Husbands, you may not understand that your wife thinks differently. You, you got to come to a standing, a place to where we care about each other more than the issue that we're facing. We're going to be reconciled. Reconciled's a good thing. So if we have some issue with someone else, we're at church. Leave church and go be reconciled. That's the only place I see anywhere where he says, leave church. He wants us to come to church. Don't forsake the assembling of yourselves. But you probably have found that one of the reasons why a lot of people don't go to church is because of an issue with someone. And they need to be reconciled. So be quick about getting things worked out between you and someone else. As far as it depends on you, be at peace. And then he tells us in Matthew 18 how to handle conflict. Very simple. This is how you do it. This is the plan of Jesus. If you're going to be a peacemaker, you're going to have to operate this. If your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. If he listens to you, you have gained your brother. Go talk to him. If, if someone has sinned against you, then you need to go talk to him. Go tell them. Sit down with them. If they don't listen to you, verse 16 says, but if he does not listen, take one or two others along with you and that every charge may be established by the evidence of two or three witnesses. You take two or three brothers. How important is, is conflict reconciliation to the Lord Jesus? So important he lays out for us how we do it. We involve other people if we can't get it done between two people. And if that if he refuses to listen to you after that, tell it to the church. You need to tell the pastor, pastor, we need to act on this. And in our, in our way of working today, we'd get the elders together and discuss the situation and the conflict. And then if he refuses to listen to the church people, then treat them as an Aggie or a... <laughs> it doesn't say that. That just fit too easy, didn't it? If he refuses to listen to them, tell it to the church. And if he refuses to listen even to the church, let him be to you as a Gentile and a tax collector. Oh, to be a Gentile and a tax collector. Bad deal to the Jewish person, right? So how do you do it? How do you, how do you handle conflict? You go to them yourself. You talk it out. If it can't be resolved, you take two or three people with you and, and, and they're there to help in the process. If that isn't working out and if, if you know you still got to move forward with this conflict, you take it to the church. That didn't happen. That didn't happen. I can't, I, I mean, it just doesn't happen. 
usually in our day and time in our culture, most people aren't willing to work beyond the first meeting if they're not really willing to work it out. Most things are worked out at that first session one-on-one. So that should encourage you a little bit. should encourage you. And then Jesus said that we need to forgive without keeping score. You can't make peace without forgiving. You can have no strong relationship without forgiving. Matter of fact, if, if you don't have a lot of real close relationships with people, you might need to think about whether or not you're forgiving or not. Because there's no way you can have relationship with people and forgiveness isn't happening. It's not going to work. Peter came up after the conversation about the conflict, about how to handle conflict. And, and I think that when Peter heard this, man, I don't want to do that. Even bold, abrasive Peter says, man, I don't want to do that. But there's got to be at some point I can just write these people off. That's what he's thinking. Then Peter came up and said, Lord, how often will my, will my brother sin against me and I forgive him? As many as seven times, I think from Peter's perspective, he's thinking, this will be good. I'll, I'll get an attaboy over that. Seven times? If I forgive someone seven times, surely I'm in good standing, right? And Jesus said to him, I say to you not seven times, but 77 times. It could literally mean 70 times seven, which would be 490 times. Now, if it's 77 times, if that's the word, that's fine. If it's 490 times, that's fine. It's not about the number. You know what it's about? Not keeping score. That's what it's about. Matter of fact, if, if you're forgiving until 70 times, and then you've kept score, and then after 70 times, you're going to ruin their life, you're going to get back at them, you're going to get vengeance you didn't forgive any time you just went through motions and you just withheld vengeance but that's not forgiveness withholding vengeance is not forgiveness so he says no nah, you you can't keep score peter so peacemakers the people of jesus are forgivers we forgive and forgive and forgive now if there's not response after we try you know, exhaustively to work out the situation when they sin against us, when it's a personal thing, then there comes a point to where we walk along, they're Gentiles and tax collectors, and nobody's going to deal with a Gentile or a tax collector. You know, you're just going to let them be. You're going to wait for the Lord to work. You're not going to involve them in your life. If they're toxic, for sure, you're not going to allow them to negatively influence your life. But you're still going to forgive. You're still going to deal with them. So peace with others is really important to Jesus. He wants his people, if we're going to make a difference in the crowds, in the crowds, there's going to be lots of conflict. There's going to be lots of issues. You know why? Because the crowd means there's more than one or two people. <laughs> and if, if you ever get more than one or two people, you got problems. you got conflicts. you got issues. You got things you got to sort through. So peace with others. A peacemaker is going to help people find peace with God, and they're going to help people find peace with each other. And the third one is Jesus wants us to be have peace with self. You can't be a peacemaker unless you're at peace yourself. You're not going to do well being a peacemaker if you're not at peace within your own self. Two verses that we can think about from this. John 14, 27. 
Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. Man. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Peace comes through faith in Christ, right? The Holy Spirit makes that happen. He says he didn't give his peace as the world gives us. What kind of peace does the world give? Temporary, strings attached. It's performance-based. What have you done? It's peace that's based on what have you done for me lately? We'll be at peace with each other as long as you benefit me. But as soon as you don't benefit me, I'm done with you. That's the world's peace. You experience some of that out there in the world? You got some of that going on? As soon as you quit dancing to their tune, they're done with you, aren't they? That's not the peace that Jesus has for us. He's got a peace that will weather all those things. He says, it's not as the world gives to you. He says, let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. I got peace for you. John 16, 33. I have said these things to you that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation. But take heart, I have overcome the world. Two things from that. He has given us peace. He has written the words. He has spoken these words so that we will know peace. And another truth, in the world, you will have tribulation. In the world, you will have problems. But take heart, I've overcome the world. So the peace that we can have this peace that does pass all understanding, this peace of that blessed position that's not determined by circumstances, we can have peace with tribulation. Like that submarine, it can be a hurricane on top. Submarine can be smooth sailing down underneath because of the power of the Lord in our lives. That's what he has for us. He wants us to model that in the world. How does old Junior, how does old Junior go through all those tribulations in his life and still have that contentment, still have that, that hope, still have that bright outlook and possibility? How can that old boy still have faith? Because he has experienced the one that gives peace differently than the world gives. So a peacemaker, sign up for it. Lord Jesus is at work. The Holy Spirit's at work. He is moving you to, to, to share Jesus with others, to help them find peace with one another, to help find peace with you, and to be at peace within themselves. Sign up for that. That's what Jesus wants. He wants us to be at peace. Who in your life needs peace? Who do you know that's desperately searching for peace? That's your assignment. Whoever the Holy Spirit Put on your mind right there. That's your assignment for this week. How can you be a peacemaker for them? If they don't know the Lord, introduce them to Christ. Share the gospel. If they're at, pe if they're, if they're at war or conflict with other people, help them know how to work it out. Encourage them to go settle this issue. Teach them what reconciliation means. Show them. Guide them and be at peace within yourself. Who in your life needs peace?